Blog Hello, welcome to the show. This is Ginger London. We're so happy that you're joining us. So welcome to the Ginger London Show. Today, the show is on friends, foes, and fellow Christians, how we get along in relationships. And it is a four-part series that we're doing here on Blog Talk Radio. And so we're going to get right into it, but we're going to start with a word of prayer, and then we'll get right into today's show. So if you know someone who is having a little difficulty with their relationships with friends, uh, got some enemies coming against them, don't really know what to do, or they're having a difficult time dealing with some fellow Christians, please tell them to um, tune in to the Ginger London Show here on Blog Talk Radio. They can, uh, if they can access us by Internet, they can uh, dial in to uh, area code 646-929-2431. And so let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you on this evening. We bless your name, O oh God. We honor you on today, on this evening. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would increase as I decrease as we go forth in this teaching and studying of your word and how to get along better with one another. We pray, dear God, that you would sharpen our minds, that we become not only hearers of your word, but we will also become doers of your word. We thank you for this blessed opportunity. We pray this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. And once again, thank you for tuning in to the Ginger London Show. Today is a four-part series on friends, foes, and fellow Christians. And if you've ever been hurt by someone in the church or if you wonder why relationships don't work out for you or if you're someone who's repeating the bad cycle of uh, the bad relationship cycle or if you, end, if you pick friends and they end up stabbing you in the back and, or if you settle for any relationship just to avoid being um, alone, then this show or this series of shows will be uh, for you. It is a four-part series, and today we're going to be dealing with the first part, which is friend or foe, which are you. So we'll be talking to you about what type of friend are you to other people. A lot of times we say that we get hurt by our friends, people don't get along with people, people don't like us, but we're going to take a look at what type of person are you uh, in this particular uh, area of life, which is friendships. Part two is on friendships that destroy toxic relationships. We will do that show on April the 26th at 7.30, which is tomorrow night, which will be at 7.30 p.m., April 26th, friendships that destroy. And uh, we're going to talk about being created for a relationship, a relationship with God, as well as a relationship with our fellow believers and um, how God created us to be connected to one another. But unfortunately, there are times when people feel disconnected from others, which can lead to isolation and uh, loneliness. And during those difficult times of life, when they're disconnected, they have a desire to be connected and uh, to become um, connected to someone and to feel accepted, that sometimes those feelings are overwhelming and they end up uh, making some bad choices. Uh, in relationships or groups that they get involved with. And so they just get involved with the first person that accepts them or become a part of the clique or the group of people that accept them. And so those types of connections always usually end up 
in some uh, emotional and spiritual distress. And so we'll talk about how to recognize those uh, toxic relationships. The ones that are unequally yoked are the emotional and spiritual blackmailers, uh, blackmailing type uh, relationships and how to avoid that. Part three is stop the madness. How can we, how can two walk together except they agree? That's going to be April 27th. That also is at 7.30 p.m. And the Word of God asks us this question, how can two walk together except except they agree? So we need to stop the madness. So we're going to look at if you've been involved with a person who was wrong for you and you didn't realize it until months later or even years later, how do you break that walk? How do you make that transition from a bad relationship to a healthy place um, in life? And some people have taken – or have mistaken, um, that have uh, mistaken drama and tension for true relationship or true love. Unfortunately, that may be a, may be something uh, that may be the only thing, rather, that they've ever seen. And so they they equate that with love, or they equate that with true friendship when there's a lot of drama or when there's a lot of struggle uh, in the relationship. And usually, when you find yourself in those type of friendships, those types of um, relationships, what happens is you end up connecting with somebody who's irresponsible, un- they are an unreliable friend, somebody who drives you a little nuts, they drive you a little crazy. And so uh, you have a difficult time with how to knowing how to break um, that friendship. And then part four is the fine art of friendship. And part four is actually going to take place on April 29th at 7.30 again. So all of these sessions are back-to-back. Part four is the fine art of friendships, and that's where we're going to tell you how to have healthy, wholesome, and godly friendships or relationships. And we're going to talk about the qualities that make uh, of these types of friendships that make good friendships, good relationships, how to set godly boundaries around your life, and how to uh, respect the boundaries of others. And we're on in that particular show, on that show, we're going to talk about how to guard your heart, because the Word of God tells us to guard your heart with all diligence, but out of it springs. Um, the issues of life And so we're going to deal with How to guard your heart in the last show So once again before we move into the first show The four show, the four parts are Friends and foe Which are you? That's the one we're dealing with this evening Part two, friendships that destroy Toxic relationships Part three, stop the madness How can two walk together except they agree Except they agree And part four Is the fine art of friendship And uh Parts 1 tonight, 24th, part 2 to 26th, part 3 to 27th. There is a break on April 28th on that Wednesday. There will not be a show on that Wednesday evening because if you're in the Lafayette, Louisiana area or somewhere close by, uh, the Spirit of Liberty Global Ministries Conference is being held, and I'll be preaching that opening night. Their theme is Reclaiming Biblical Authority. So there will not be a show Wednesday, April 28th, because I will be in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, uh, preaching um, at the Reclaiming Biblical Authority Conference. So the final part will be Thursday, April the 29th at 7.30, the fine art of friendship. And so let's get right into uh, the show on uh, today. So it's friend or foe, which are you? So in, the, in John, the book of John, chapter 15, we find Jesus talking to his disciples, and he says these words. He says, I no longer call you servants. Because a master doesn't confide in his servants. Now you are friends, since I've told you everything the Father told me. And isn't that wonderful to know that Jesus considers us close enough to him to confide in us? He calls us friends so that he can share the words and the heart of the Father with us. 
and that's what we uh, we we do even in our lives today because friends share important and life changing moments with each other. You know, I, I know as an adult, I found myself when I'm talking to my friends, I found myself saying something like, uh, "You know, my daddy always told me to put away a little money every time I got paid." Or I'll find myself saying something like, my mama always told me to say thank you when people give you something. Those are the important matters of my heart. And you may have some similar matters of your heart that are important. And I usually share those with uh, people that I consider to be uh, close friends, uh, people that are very special to me. And so friends friends are people who love each other. They talk about things. They go places together. And they do things together. And so everybody that we know, we don't consider them friends. But there are people that we actually have brought into our inner circle of life, and we call them friends or we develop relationships with them. And with those people, we have a tendency to share some of our most intimate and delicate parts of our heart. We share those things with um, those people that we consider to be friends, So for our friends. So the question today is really a more uh, interpersonal question. We'll talk a little bit about how to identify some bad friendships, but today we're going to talk about what type of person are you, as a, what type of friend are you? And so it's friend or foe, which is you. And so the best way to discover uh, which one you are, and all of us want to be friends, not a foe, because a foe is an enemy. So we all want to be friends to other people in our lives, in the body of Christ. We never want to be another person's enemy, except we are an enemy to Satan, but we should not be an enemy to other people. Okay, so the best way to do that, to discover which, uh, which are you, uh, one of you is to take, uh, is to examine yourself. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, verses 1, uh, verse 5 uh, in particular says, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, prove your own self. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobate. And we know we're not reprobates in the body of Christ. But the word of God says to examine your own self. The, uh, the New Living Translation says it like this. Examine yourself to see if your faith is really genuine. It says test yourself. So a lot of times we're looking for God to send us um, good friends or godly friends or people that are true, they're honest, they're faithful. And we sometimes don't t- uh, stop and examine ourselves and say, God, this is... This is the type of person that I want you to send to me, but am I the same type of person that I'm asking you for? Whether that's a a close personal relationship that you want to develop with romantic relationship, or if it's just a friendship that you're establishing with somebody, am I the type of friend or the type of person uh, that another human being wants to even have a friendship with or want to be in a relationship with? I'm praying for God to send me somebody who loves God, who knows the word, who walks in who walks um, in honesty and integrity. But I need to make sure, and you need to make sure, that when we pray for those type of people to be brought into our lives, that when they actually come, that we are the type, the same type person that we're praying for God to bring into our lives. It is unfair for me to ask God to send somebody in my life to love me, and then when they get here, I'm not lovable. Or I have no desire to actually return love in the favor. I just want to be loved, but I have no desire to be the person who is loving. So it's unfair for me to receive these type of people in my life, and then I am not that type of person. So we're going to say, uh, uh, the word of God says, examine yourself. So before you can make good choices about the relationships or friendships you get involved in and the people that you allow into your life, 
there are two things that you must know. First, you must know who you are. Too many of us in the body of Christ are walking around still trying to discover our purpose, still trying to figure out who we are in Christ, still trying to identify ourselves, still trying to uh, know what our gifts and our uh our uh, strengths and abilities are. We're focusing too much on weaknesses, and we're not taking a look that God has created me in his image, that I am uh, fearfully and wonderfully made in God. And we spend a lot of time trying to figure out who we are, and God has already told us in his word. And so if you're at that place, that is not a condemnation statement. That is a state, That is an, an encouragement to say there needs to be a growth period in your life where you're not still asking the question, what is my purpose? You're not still asking the question, who am I in Christ? At some point in your journey in God, in your, in your walk with God, you need to become content in knowing who you are. You need to become confident in knowing who God has created you to be. And who he wants you to be. The scripture says, being confident of this, he that began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. That's Philippians 1, 6. You have to get to a place where you're confident in knowing that the work that God is doing in me through his Holy Spirit is a good work. I may have been one way before I got saved, but once I started walking with God and and taking this journey, that good work that God is doing on the inside of me is something to be proud of, and I don't have to continue to say, I don't know who I am. So you have to know who you are. And the second thing that that you must know, uh, you must know your motives motives for wanting to establish a friendship or relationship. Every time we establish a friendship or a relationship, we need to know that our motives are pure. Am I in this because there will be a mutual exchange in this friendship, in this relationship, or am I starting this friendship for selfish gain? You know, am I starting this friendship because of who you are, your profession, what you do for a living? Am I trying to figure out in my mind how I can, what I can get from you without also uh, figuring in my mind what it is I can deposit in your life? It is unfair for you to make a deposit into me and then I not in return give you um give you something in return for the deposit. Either I need to make an importation or a deposit back into your life. There needs to be something that you're getting from this friendship. There needs to be something that you're getting from this relationship. There, it needs to be a mutual expa- uh, exchange. I should not be looking for just something that I can get from the relationship. That's why it's so important to examine yourself. What are, what are your motives for wanting to uh, establish a friendship or to get into a relationship, even in a uh, a personal romantic relationship with someone, what are your motives for wanting to have a relationship on that level? You know, is it because I'm just lonely and I want somebody to occupy this space or to occupy this time? You know, is it because I have a void and rather than letting the Holy Spirit fill that void, I decided that I'm going to go out and find my own void filler so I connect with you or build a relationship on false pretenses because I want you to come in here and fill this void and make me think that I have arrived at that place in relationship that I really want to be in. But those voids can never be filled unless God fills those voids. And so you have to know, number one, who you are, and second, your motives for wanting to establish um, a friendship or a relationship. So one way to get to know yourself is to examine yourself. Take a microscopic and honest look into why you think the way you do about friendships or just about life in general. Take a look at how you feel about certain issues and why. 
Take a look at why you do what you do. Take an honest look and evaluation at what kind of person you think you really are. Sometimes we think we are good people and we're not necessarily the best person that we can be. You know, sometimes we um, uh, feel a certain way or we think a certain way about friendships and relationships, not because we got those thoughts out of the word of God, but because we learned those thoughts in our culture. We learned them from other friends. We learned them from family members, but we didn't get our thoughts from the word of God. And we're told in the word of God to take on the mind of Christ. And Christ says, I only come to do the will of the Father. So in order to have the mind of Christ, you have to get into the word. And so we have to take a look at why we do what we do and who we think we really are and be honest about it. When God shows you you, that you're not the best possible friend, you're not the best friend you can be, or you're not the best person they have a relationship with right now, we have to be honest with that, accept that, and then say, God, you do a work in me. Change, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit on the inside of me so that I can be the best person that someone else would, uh, uh, the best person possible when somebody encounters me. I need to be the best person that I can be. If your motives uh, are impure, then your relationships and your friendships will be unhealthy. Uh, for example, let me give you, if you're thinking, uh, if you're thinking it's outdated or if, or if you're thinking it's unrealistic, then your relationships and your friendships will be one-sided because that your thinking only accommodates you. When your thinking is, un, when your, your, your beliefs are irrational, when your thinking is, un, uh, when you have unrealistic uh, expectations, un, the only person that uh, benefits from that or the only person that thinks he or she benefits from that uh, is you. And so it's a one-sided friendship or relationship when you're thinking it's outdated. If your feelings are those of bitterness, pain, hurt, resentment, then your friendship and your relationships will be filled with hurt and pain because life draws life, period. No one wants to be around a person who's always bitter, who's always in pain. You're easily hurt. You're easily offended. Then when you get offended, you hold grudges. And after a while, people don't like being around you. And so the only other types of people that you draw into your life are the people who are just like you. And so those two situations make for a catastrophe. That's just a disastrous, a disaster waiting to happen. Those are disastrous type relationships. So it's dangerous. And it is destructive to build relationships on, fake, on shaky foundations. Um, somebody always gets hurt emo- emotionally when the relationship is built on faulty or shaky foundation, whether uh, it's you repeating the cycle of that relationship or the other person having encountered you. There's always some emotional damage and pain that comes as a result of relationships and friendships being built on unrealistic expectations or outdated thoughts or just Uh, just bad thoughts, period. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if you want to make good choices in selecting the people you get involved with, you will need to uh, shake yourself loose of those things that keep you from making good choices and from being a good good choice for someone else. So you have to shake yourself loose from your mindset, your mindset about people, your mindset about friendships, and your mindset about relationships. Proverbs 18.24 says it like this, a man, who, a man who has friends must show himself friendly. So let's take a look at um, Proverbs 139. Um, you can write this down, Proverbs 139, verses 1 through 15. You know uh, most of us are, uh, the majority of us are probably familiar uh, with this passage of Scripture. This is when David is telling God, O oh Lord, thou hast searched me 
and know me. And he goes through this passage of scripture, these verses, and he talks about everything about God, knowing everything about him from when he thinks that he's going to say before he says it, you uh, his innermost delicate parts. You know, when I sit down, you know, when I rise up, you know, when my thoughts are far off, you know, everything about me, God, there's nothing that I, that about me that can be hidden from you. And it's the same thing with you. So if you're at a place where you have not had healthy or good friendships or relationships uh, for the last several years or for a long period of time, then it's time now to take an examination or allow the Spirit of God to go inside of you and examine what's going on on the inside of you that's keeping you or hindering you from having the best possible friendships or relationships um, that God desires. And so in verse 1, he says this. He said, oh, Lord, you, thou hast searched me and known me. You know my down-sitting in verse 2, my uprising, and thou understand my thoughts are far off. So if God were to examine your heart right now, what would he find? He, the scriptures say he knows all about you. Sometimes we try to hide things from other people, but God can go into the innermost part of your being and discover what type of person, or he already knows what type of person you are. We can hide it from other people for a period of time, but at some point it's going to show up in the friendship. It's going to show up in uh, the relationship. And in verse 2 it says, you know my thoughts are far off. How many of you can say that there are times in your in your life and in your uh, relationships and your friendships that your your thoughts have drifted or far off? Your thoughts have gone so far off in uh, relations uh, in reference to relationships and friendships that your your thoughts are so far off and so distorted that people can't even they don't even like talking to you about friendships. They don't even like talking to you about relationships. Just having a general conversation with you about friendships and relationships is stressful because your thoughts are so far off. They're so far out of the way and so far from what the Word of God teaches us about friendships and relationships that people um, don't even like just having a general conversation with you. Well, if, you're, if, that's, if you're at that place and your thoughts are far off, you have to ask God, God, you know my thoughts are far off. Go bring my thoughts back into alignment to the word of God, to your word. What do you say about um, friendships and relationships? Uh, verse 4 says, for there is not a word in my tongue, but, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. Here's a question I'm going to thought-provoking question for you. What was the last thing you said that you should not have spoken? A lot of us can say that there are things that we have said recently that we should have never come out of our, off of our tongue, should have never come off our mouth. But in, in, in reference to friendships and relationships, there are things that we say that sometimes we repeat that are cliches that people have put out there from afar uh, from years and years ago. There are things that we say out of our hurts, out of our pains that we should never say. There are things that we say uh, that men say about women. There are things that women say about men. There are things that friends say about friends and friendships that we should never speak into the atmosphere. And a lot of it comes from a lack of understanding. It comes from hurt. It comes from uh, misguided uh, counseling that we receive from other people because we now make comments based on somebody else being uh, hurt and um, from relationships or friendships. And it's, it, it could be a statement that is just relative to that particular incident and not a statement that should be applied to, in general, to overall to friendships. And so 
We must get to a place where we don't allow, uh, offer our tongues things to be said just so that we can say things. We need to have an understanding about what we're saying because what you say is out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if you internalize those cliches, if you internalize those negative thoughts about men, negative thoughts about women, negative thoughts about friendships, eventually it's going to come out of your mouth and you're going to find yourself believing those cliches, believing those negative thoughts, and then you're going to be wondering why you can't have good wholesome, healthy friendships and relationships. And so uh, we must remember that we should not say uh, anything. Um, and so there, and this, the, the psalmist goes on and says, he talks about hiding. Are there times when uh, in verses 12, 7 through 12, he talks about um, there's nowhere I can go and hide from your spirit, O oh God? Sometimes because you've had such bad friendships and bad relationships, there are times when you just want to, you, you don't want to be bothered with people. You just want to go be, you know, we've all said it or possibly all said it at some point. You know, I just want to be by myself. I don't feel like being bothered with nobody. I don't want to be in a relationship. Don't mention, don't even mention the word woman to me. Don't mention man to me. Don't mention friends to me. I just don't, I don't feel like being bothered uh, with people. And, but in at the same time, we're saying that we don't want to be bothered with people. We put a but in there. But, God, I want a relationship. But I want a good friendship. Now, you don't want to be bothered with anybody, but you still want a relationship. You still want a friendship. Well, those two don't go together. So we have to get to the place where we're not running and hiding from uh, friendships and relationships um, all the time. We, we must get to a place where we confront some things and deal with some issues of life that will position us to always want healthy friendships, healthy relationships in our lives because we were created for a relationship, a love relationship with God, and we were cre- uh, created for a love relationship with our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. No man is an island. I'm not supposed to be somewhere always wanting to be by myself, All you know, never wanting to be bothered with people. There are some moments of isolation, so to speak, or some moments where I retreat or you can retreat to go refresh yourself or just take a, a private me time or me moment. But when you want to stay there, then we're dealing with some other issues because that's where the enemy gets in and begins to lock you into a spirit of depression and you don't want to be bothered with anybody. Or you become self-righteous and think you are the best thing uh, since sliced bread, if you want to put it like that. But we need to get to a place where we're not running and hiding from relationships. We have to learn how to be a part of a healthy, sound, good relationship and build from that so that whenever people encounter your life, they encounter somebody who's healthy, somebody who's strong, and they encounter somebody who is safe. You need to become a safe person to be around. I should not be around you and be in fear that something's going to happen that's going to either hurt my life or something self-destructive may occur. When I come into a friendship or a relationship with you, it should be an envi- into an environment that is safe and healthy and wholesome to be a part of. So you have to make a, 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 a commitment uh, to uh, know yourself. You have to become committed to knowing who you are. Uh, and so to be a good friend, you have to value yourself. You have to treasure another's essence in your heart, and you must first treasure the, the, the essence that's in you. Uh, the Word of God says that we are to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And so we are commanded by God to love ourselves. So that's why you need to know who you are, and that's why you have to examine yourself, take a look at who you are so that you can learn to love someone else. If you're not comfortable with who you are, 
you will not engage in comfortable. Your friendships and your relationships will not be comfortable ones. They will not be a healthy relationship. So let's take a, a, a minute and talk about how do you commit to uh, knowing yourself, examining yourself, and becoming the best possible friend or the best possible person um, for a relationship. Uh, the Word of God says in Psalm 39.3, it says, My heart grew hot within me as I meditated, the fire burned, and I spoke with my tongue. So we have to know, your heart has to burn on the inside of you to get to know who you are. God, teach me about me. Okay, I, I, I'm in a love relationship with you. You know me better than I know myself. So before I get connected to anybody, teach me about myself. Teach me to know who I am. The word of God says in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. God, let my thoughts on the inside of myself, uh, uh, my thoughts on the inside about me be pure. Let them be holy. I don't want to think more highly of myself than I ought to. I need to have a sober mind. So let me, I don't want to think more highly of myself than I ought to. So my thought life about myself should be thoughts that are safe, thoughts that are pure, uh, Thoughts that are that are holy and acceptable to God about who I am. Uh, Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen says, "You seek me and you find me when you seek me with all your heart." That's what God is saying. If you really want to know who you are, you have to seek the face of God and let allow God to teach you and talk to you and show you who you are. And when God be, God begins to show you who you are, then you have to begin. Then you have to submit yourself to the Word of God and God created, as I said earlier. Created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit that is within me. Because there are some things that God will show us about ourselves that we may not necessarily uh, be happy to find out about, but we need to know because there needs to be a change. You know, as 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 good uh, as a person as I may want to believe that I am, there are some things that God can show me about myself that needs to be changed and. It may, hard, it may be hard to receive, but if I receive it and allow the Holy Spirit to change me, I know that when I go through that growing process, when I go through that process of change, that I will be a better person as a result of it. So I have to commit to God, com, uh, allow myself to be committed to God to know that. And one way to do that is to open myself up uh, to not only be loved by God, but to share love with other people. I, it is, as I said, it's unfair for me to want God to love me. And then I not do what God told me to do, and that's love someone else, to, to love my fellow brothers or to love my neighbor. It's unfair for me, to, for, God, for me to pray for God to send me a good friend, and then I shut myself off or I refuse to be a good friend in return. It's unfair for me to want God to send somebody into my life to love me. Oh, God, send somebody who will love me. And then I shut myself off from showing love and being the type of person um, who can be, uh, give love in return because when you shut yourself off from love what happens is you begin to exist in a black and white world and then your heart shuts down you don't feel anything and then you begin to rationalize your numbness you know you say well you know every time I get involved with a friend they always stab me in the back you know every time I get involved in a relationship I always get hurt so what I did is I just I got this wall up I got these this um this guard up I'm numb I don't let anybody I don't let anything into my heart I don't let anything out because every time I release love to somebody, it always comes back to haunt me or always um, uh, uh, catch the back end of that thing. I never get anything in return. So when you feel like that, when you, when you shut yourself off, what happens is you become detached and you become indifferent and you become numb. 
to life and people reach out to love you and you reject that love. But yet you go back and try to rationalize it by saying, well, every time I get involved in a relationship, I always get hurt. And so if you remain numb, you will never get involved. You will never have a good friendship. You will never be a good friend. You will never be uh, involved in a healthy uh, relationship. And you will never um, find yourself uh, showing love to other people. So it's important that you don't become numb and shut off uh, uh, in the process. And in order to that, to do that, you have to make a choice. And you do have the power of choice on the inside of you. And uh, the power of choice is the ability to select one thing rather than another. You know, and so we're told that, you know, uh, Joshua says, the example of that is Joshua says, for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. You have the power or the ability to choose. I can choose to be a loving person or I can choose to be a person who's shut off from love. So I have that ability to choose that. And so in order to be free to choose, you have to examine yourself and you have to say, in order for the power of choice to be effective in my life, then I have to be free to choose. That simply means that my mindset about relationship cannot be cloudy. It cannot be distorted. It cannot be from irrational beliefs that I have about relationship. It cannot be from an unhealthy state of mind my, because choices are made in your mind. And so the Bible tells us in First Chron, uh, Chronicles chapter 29, verse 8, to serve God with a perfect heart and a willing mind. I have to be willing to allow my mind to be consumed with the word of God so that my choices can be godly and my choices can be made from a healthy state of mind. So that means I have to be free from those things that will shackle me or shackles my mind from making good decisions. And hurts and pains will cause your mind to be shackled and um, will cause you to not to make good decisions. So let's get into Friendships and relationships, and let's talk about what's a what is a foe? What is a person who's not a good friend? How do you how do you recognize these people? How do you deal with them? Uh, how do you make it happen? So, and not everyone who claims to be your friend really is your friend. Proverbs eighteen twenty nine from the uh, New Living Bible says it this way: It says there are friends who pretend to be friends. But there is also a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So most people will tell you that they are your friend, but they're really not true friends. So because a true friendship is friendship is demonstrated um, uh, by um, them being around you, being available to you, um, uh, being there to encourage you. They're not there to take from you. And so let's talk about friends or friendships. Let's let's look at the word friend from the New Testament perspective. Um, it can be a term of endearment. It means that I'm, it's someone that you love. They're, uh, they're, you, you call them your beloved, or it's an intimate friendship. And then there's a friend, uh, uh, the term means someone who you're associated with or a companion. So uh, in order to be or to recognize those good friends, Proverbs gives us several people that we need to um, that are identified as friends or people that we need to stay away from that are not the best possible friends. Or I'm going to give you a combination of uh, both. We'll give you a combination of good friends as well as those who are not good friends. The Bible talks about in Proverbs 1, 5, a wise friend. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and, and a man of understanding shall attain to wise counsel. That means so there we have wise friends. Those are people who speak wisdom into your life. They know what it is that you need, and then we have to avail ourselves to that. The Bible talks about those people who are the simple. The simple believe in every word, but the prudent man looks wise, look well uh, into his 
to his going. So then there are people who are simple. And most of most of us have experienced um, some simple-minded folks being in our lives. And those are the people sometimes who are foolish acting. They say foolish things. They're naive a lot. There's no increase in their uh, – there hasn't been an increase in their knowledge. They're not very intelligent. Um, in certain areas of life, and they can just be simple acting. Then there's the foolish. Proverbs one seven says, "Fools despise wisdom and instruction." So if you have foolish people around you as your friend, and you are somebody who um, is walking in the wisdom of God, or you are attaining to walk into the wisdom of God, then the foolish people that are around you are going to despise the wisdom and instructions that you're trying to live your life by. And so it becomes difficult to have in those type of friendships because now you're tempted. To, uh, your, the temptation is there is to move away from what the Word of God is telling you and then to get involved in the things that they are involved in. Because foolish people don't usually answer to the voice of wisdom quickly. But if you're not careful and you're around foolish people a lot or people who call, your, call themselves your friend and they're foolish acting, then what happens is sometimes you can find yourself doing things and saying things that you would not have normally done, and after you've done it, you, you'll say something like, I can't believe I did that. That's, that's not who I am. What made me do that? So you have to be careful with the foolish people that you allow into your life. And then there are the scornful. Proverbs fifteen twelve says, a scornful love is not one that uh, reproves him, neither will he go unto the wise. So if you have people around you or who call themselves your, um, your friend or if you're in a relationship with somebody who is scorned, then you're going to have a difficult time being um, friends with them or a difficult time being in a relationship because scorned people are hurt easily. They already come into your life wounded and hurt. And so any little thing will cause them to uh, be more scorned and more uh, uh, hurt, and then you have a problem because you're always trying to ease and soothe that the pain that they've been carrying around possibly for years. And some of that time, some of that you're trying to soothe and hurt, and you don't even have any about. You don't know what caused that pain, why the person is going like that. You just know that they're easily offended. And so you find yourself trying to adjust your life to easily offended people. You're always watching the words that you say, watching your actions. And at the, the same time, when you're trying to do that not to hurt them, they're, making, they're not making any effort to heal. They're not making any effort to get better. They're not even making any effort to understand that you didn't intend to hurt them. All they know is I'm hurt, I'm in pain. And if you're going to come and be a part of my life, if you're going to be a friend to me, if you choose to stay here, then you choose to also be hurt. You choose to to, uh, be a part of this scorn that I'm going through. And so if it means that I take it out on you, then I take it out on you. And that's why I encourage you to know that you do have the power of choice. If you connect with someone who is scorned, who's always hurting, always offended, always easily wounded, at some point in your life, you're going to have to make a decision to disconnect or you if the person chooses not to be healed, not to get um, become well-adjusted in life instead of functioning off of hurts and pain, you have to make a choice to make a transition. This is not healthy for me to stay connected to somebody who's easily offended, always hurt. Then you have those uh, people that I call that uh, will present themselves as uh, your friends, but they're really not your friend. They're coming in. Those are the people who come disguised as friends, but they're really there to take from you. And I, I call them the dream stealers. Those are the people that come in and their whole pretense is, I want to befriend you. I want to become uh, friends with you. But the whole purpose is to steal something from you. It is to get something that you have 
and then take it and use it for themselves. And so in order to get it from you, the Bible says first they got to bound you. The strong man first has to be bound before you can take something from him. So what they do is they come in on the platform of friendship. And they get you into a place where you are comfortable with them, are comfortable with sharing everything with them, comfortable with talking to them, comfortable with bringing them into, uh, into your world, if you will, or into whatever you're doing, and comfortable with knowing a little bit, knowing a lot about who you are, what it is you do. You share with them the visions and the dreams and the ideas that God, the Holy Spirit, is giving to you and how you're going to do it and what you're going to do with it and how God is going to use your life for the building of the kingdom and all of those types of things. And what happens is the dream stealers, dream stealers come in, they befriend you, they pretend like they have their best, your best interest at heart, and the whole idea is I'm, I'm only here to steal from you. But I can only steal it when you allow me to get close enough to steal it. Because if somebody else comes in to try to steal it, you are guard your safe. But it's when you build that friendship, you build that relationship with someone, for them to steal it, to steal something <laughs> from you, that pain is so devastating. At, you know, at times can be very devastating. And, but you have to remember that what God has for you is for you. So even if you experience a dream stealer in your life, somebody that comes in just to steal, there's always a healing process that you can go through because whatever vision and, and dream that God has given you, no man can really take that from you. It's devastating and it's hurt. It's very uh, hurtful to experience that when somebody that's real close to you turns around and decides that they're going to steal something from you, take it, run with it, try to walk it out, carry it out, or, or fulfill it without you being a part of it. Or they come in and they get an idea from you, they uh, drain you, they wear you out with uh, talking to them uh, about what's going on in your life. And then they walk off with it, and they don't give you any credit whatsoever. Don't acknowledge you as a friend. Don't tell anybody where they got it from. When you experience that from a close friend, it's very painful at times. Also, um, the dream stealers come in. Those are people that you have to pray for a discernment and say, God, I need you to discern, help me to discern when somebody is truly of you and when they are not. You have the the, um, the dream stealers, then you have the dream killers. You got people that are that are coming into your life. The enemy sends into your life to kill, to literally uh, kill your spirit, not kill you uh, physically, but to kill your spirit. They come in, they pretend like they're friends with you. You begin to share with them. You uh, get into a relationship with that person, and their whole objective is to break you down. Their whole objective is to break your spirit so that you will not be happy about your life. You will not be full of the joy of the Lord, uh, which is your strength. You won't be full of God's joy. You will just be all of a sudden out of nowhere. You will just start feeling sluggish in your spirit. Your, your, uh, your mind uh, will be tormented by thoughts. I mean, they come in, and they come in to beat down your spirit. I'm not here because I was just really want to befriend you. I just really want to learn to love you and get to know you and be there to support you and, and, and do all of those things. I'm here to kill you. Uh, some people come because they don't like the fact that when they see you from a dis far di or from afar off, that you are very happy, your life is jovial, you're full of excitement, there's a lot of joy in your life. They make you a target. And what they do is they come in pretending, and the whole purpose is to beat your spirit, your, um, beat your spirit down and get you to a place where you're just like them. They come in to kill your joy, to kill your strength, to kill your excitement about life, and to kill even what you think about yourself. 
You're excited. You're walking around saying, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm victorious in Christ Jesus. I'm capable of doing this thing that God has assigned me to do. I know that I'm a good person, and that person will come back and kill your joy by saying something repeatedly over and over again like, uh, well, you know, ain't nobody perfect. Or they'll say something like, well, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. Or they'll come back and say, well, you know, that joy only is going to last for um, a short period of time. Something's going to happen any day now that's going to bust your joy. It's going to break that joy down. Your life can't be happy. You can't be happy all the time. Something's going to happen. You just wait and see. Something's going to come up, and it's going to shake your world. You're going to have a bad experience because you can't walk in that kind of joy all the time. So they come in trying to just break your spirit down so you can be like them. They're not there to receive from you. They don't they, they may have an inner private desire to be joy joyful in life, but because of whatever is going on, that it can't be reflected on the outside. So you have to watch those dream killers, those people that come in and they're just trying to be uh tear down your spirit, man, and uh steal your joy so that you will not be the fulfilling Christian that God intended you to be. They want you to be, you know, the uh, uh, the the older people had a saying, misery love company. And so what they do is they try to bring you into their miserable world by tearing down your spirit. And if they can do it, then you will be a part of their miserable world. When you find out that there's somebody in your life like that, again, just like with dream stealers, you have to make a transition. You have to make a choice that says, this is not the most healthiest place it, uh, for me to be in life right now. Being in friendship with you, being in a relationship with you is detrimental to my spirit. We have, I must stop this. You have to get to a place where you're strong enough, you're confident enough to redefine the friendship, redefine the relationship. And the only way that you can do that is you have to set some boundaries around your life that the boundary says that there will be no dream stealers allowed in here, there will be no dream killers allowed in here. The boundary says you can't say Anything to me that you want to say, you can't speak to, uh, to me in a way that's tr- uh, where you're trying to break my spirit, where you're trying to wear me down. You have the power of Christ working on the inside of you. You can stop all of that. So when people come into your life pretending to be a friend and really they're an enemy uh, in disguise, you have the power on the inside of you to stop that action. The word of God says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So you know that there's a greater power working on the inside of you. And when God has done a good work on the inside of you, he does not intend for you to allow somebody to come in to dismantle, disrupt, tear down, beat down, kill what he's already created and done on the inside of you. So, you know, when people try to put you on a guilt trip, well, um, well, I thought we were friends. Well, you knew. I'm, well, you know I'm not perfect, and you know. So you just gotta pray for me. You just gotta pray for me, and just pray my strength in the Lord. I am gonna pray your strength in the Lord, but I'm gonna pray it from a distance because what God is doing in my life right now, I can't allow somebody to come in who sees themselves that way and who can't recognize the gift on the inside of me and appreciate it and begin to tear it down. I can't allow it. I'll pray for you from a distance. But there's a boundary or hedge of protection that is set around my life that says you can't enter. There's no trespassing allowed. If your intent 
is not good, if your attentions are not good, if your motives are impure, if your reason for connecting with me are impure, if you're sent to destroy me, if you're sent to kill me, if you're sent or if you're coming to do something other than to make a divine connection, you cannot trespass, you cannot cross this boundary whatsoever. And you have the power to stop that a lot of times we sit around and we allow people to come into our lives and we just say, well, you know, you know, we're not all on the same level. Well, we have to pray for um I know that, um, you know, we're all not on the same uh, uh, Christian maturity level, but there are some people you have to cut it off. And, I mean, when I say cut it off, I mean you cannot allow them in the inner court. You can't because if you do, they, they bring pollution, they bring contamination, and what happens is your, your spirit man will become so drained that the things that you should be focused on, the things that you should be doing, that God has assigned you to do, you will not be functioning in that capacity. You will be trying to figure out how to fix this friendship, how to fix this relationship. And all of your energies will go toward trying to fix something that should have never been allowed into the inner court. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So remember that you have the greater one on the inside of you um, living on the inside of you. So you have the right and the authority to set some boundaries around your life that says, I cannot allow you to come in and mess with what God is really doing. And so let's talk about how to find godly friends and how to recognize uh, godly friends, okay? A spiritual friend is, is honest um, when you're not um, glorifying God. So a godly friend is somebody that comes in and they have your best interests at heart. I'm not going to be a friend to you, connected to you, and then I sit back and I watch you do things that are ungodly and I never address it with you. A good friend will tell you what you need. It will speak the truth in love that you can grow up and be the person that God wants you to be. A true friend will let you know that, okay, you know what? The reason why your life is going the way it is is because you're not connected to the Father. You have not given your life. If, you're, if the person is not saved, if they haven't given their lives to the Lord, if you are a true friend to them and you are a Christian, you will say to that person, things are going the way that they're going because you are not connected to the Father. You have not given Jesus Christ your life. And if you are a Christian, that friend will say, what you're doing is ungodly. It is not of God. It's hard to hear. But if you're going to grow up in the things of God and if you want the favor of God to be on your life, I would not be a true friend if I sit back and watch you do something, get involved, get connected to things that are ungodly. I will not be a good friend if I sit back and watch you get connected in a relationship that God did not assign for your life. If I watch you get involved with somebody else's wife, somebody else's husband and I don't say and I don't speak a word to you in regards in relevance to what the word of God says about what you are doing then I am not a true friend to you if I sit back and watch you get involved in a relationship with somebody who is unequally yoked to you and I don't tell you that you should not be involved with an unequally yoked individual and I sit back and I watch you go through that relationship and I just say something like well you know we ain't supposed to judge and all that I am not a true friend 
a true friend will look at you, put the word of God against the situation or the circumstances that you're going through and say, this does not line up with the word of God. I need, if you're going to be in the right fellowship with God, sis, brother, please line up, stop what you're doing and get, get back in line with what the word of God said. A true friend will not sit by and watch you fall and will not sit by and let you stay falling if you're in a fallen state. A true friend will not do it. A true friend will speak the truth in love so that you can grow up in the things of God. So remember, a good friend is an honest person. A, good, a, good, a faithful friend sharpens you as a Christian. The Bible says in Proverbs twenty-seven, seventeen, iron sharpens iron. So a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. I should not sit back and watch you not succeed in life, and I have everything within my power to sharpen you. I should not sit back and watch you continue to be a babe in Christ, or continue to be, um, as I said, one of the other, uh, one of the uh, other types of people early, one of the simple-minded or the foolish people. I should not sit back and watch your life go like that when I have everything on the inside of me or have been given the responsibility to to sharpen you. I should not allow that to happen. I should say what I need to say to you, do everything humanly possible that I can do for you so that you can become sharpened as I am sharpened. I should not sit back and watch you fail in life and then sit back over here and say, well, I'm making it. Well, you got to do what I got to do. You know, a lot of times people, in, uh, our, our friends, our uh, people that we're in relationship with, they ask us for help and we don't, and we have it and we don't do it. A person asks you for help, and you know, we say things like, um, well, just pray about it. You know, God will show you what to do. And then God speaks to your spirit and says, but I taught you how to do it. So teach your brother how to do it. Teach your sister how to do it. I brought you out, so tell them how to come out. You know, or we'll say something like, well, I don't want to get into your business. Well, if the person asked for help and they told you what they were going through, they already told you their business. So you're already in it if you heard it. So what you need to do at that point is become a true friend and help that person come out of. Give them strategic steps on how to come out of a situation that's not good for them. Give them practical steps on how to become wise and matured in the spiritual in uh, Christianity or in their spiritual growth. Tell them how to do it. You know, tell them more than just pray. Give them practical steps. Walk them through it. The word of God says two are better than one because if one falls, the other one can pick the person up or lift that person back up. If I'm a true friend to you, then I'm going to do everything that I can to help you to grow up in God. If I see that you're in a fallen state, I'm going to reach down. I'm going to stand you back up. I'm going to dust you off, and I'm going to help you begin to walk in steps that I'm going to help you to maintain your righteous standing with God. I may not be... um, might not be happy about what you were involved in. I may not uh, 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 condone what you've done or condone what you're doing, but I should love you enough to move past my unhappiness with what you're doing and find my joy that says, if you would line up with the word of God, if you would do what God says, I know that I can forget this thing and be excited about the change that God brings to your life. If this person is not connected to God, then I know that once you get saved, I cannot even be concerned. I won't even have to be concerned with what you were doing before that. I can get excited that there's a change that just occurred in your life, and I know that God is going to reshape you, mold you into the best person that he could possibly make you into. But so a friend is a friend that will sharpen you. 
um, as a Christian. Also, a friend is a, a helpful friend is one who's encouraging, that will encourage your spirit. Proverbs 18.24 says, a man that has friends must show himself friendly. And there is one that sticks closer than a brother. So in order to be a good friend, you have to be an encouraging friend. Sometimes people become discouraged. And I know sometimes we get a little worn out um, uh, sometimes with people's issues because they – some people that we know continue to go through the same cycle over and over again. They continue, they continue to repeat the same bad habits, self-destructive habits, self-sabotaging habits. They continue to do that. But you know what? If there's an encouraging word on your tongue, and if you're a Christian, there is an encouraging word on your tongue. We have to learn to begin to speak encouraging words to those people who will find themselves in those positions. And even if your friend is not falling, even if your friend is not in a bad situation, maybe they're doing great and mighty works for God. We have to learn to rejoice with those that rejoice. So even to a friend, to somebody who is doing great works for God, as a true friend, I still have to be encouraging. I still have to speak to that person and say, God is using you. Praise God for it. Lives are being changed. The world is being, uh, uh, people are being set free by what God, how God is using you. And I still have to speak an encouraging word. Uh, that's what a true friend does. I can't sit back and become jealous of how God is using you because maybe he's not using me in that capacity right now. Or maybe he's not using me to the extent that he's using you or on the, on the level or the magnitude that he's using you. But, uh, so I can't get jealous and become envious and then all of a sudden I'm bitter and I'm angry, not only with you, but I'm angry with God because now I'm looking at God doing a unique and special thing through you and because I'm not doing that same type thing or, uh, or, or I, don't, I don't flow in the, uh, the ministry or the life uh, uh, in this Christian walk the way that you do. Now, uh, instead of being appreciative that we're connected together and encouraging you, I become angry and bitter and jealous about it. So what happens is um, I don't encourage you. When, you. when you become jealous of somebody, you will not give an encouraging word. You will say something crazy, you know, or so I become jealous of that. I become envious of that. And so then I start distancing myself from you. You notice that there's a distance. You question me about it. But because I'm so jealous and I'm so envious, I don't even have enough courage to tell you, you know what? I was looking at you. You were doing great things for God, and I got jealous, and I didn't know what to do with that. That's a, one of the best things that you can do in a true friendship is to be honest. Because sometimes the enemy comes in to, to, to wreak havoc in a relationship or a friendship, and sometimes because there is a distancing that takes place and people begin to pull back um, uh, from you because, you know, they, they you know, I'm looking at you, and, and, and instead of saying, God, wow, I wish, you know, God, use me like that. The enemy will convince you to be coveted, to coveted or become jealous or become uh, envious of that thing instead of you taking the strength that's on the inside of you and saying, and resisting the devil and said, I will not be jealous of my friend. I will not covet my friend uh, in any capacity. I will not become envious. I will take a look at what my friend is doing. I will rejoice with my friend. I will get excited for my friend. I will encourage my friend because I know that my turn is coming, that God is going to use me the same way. And so um, we have to get to the place where we uh, don't covet, but that we actually uh, appreciate and show appreciation uh, to our friends uh, and so that they can go on. And so that's one thing. So remember that uh, a, a spiritual friend is honest. Uh, when you're not glorifying God, anybody who's a friend of yours and won't help you to recognize when you're not flowing in the things of God is not a true friend. A faithful friend will sharpen you as a Christian, iron sharpens iron. If there's somebody around you who 
uh, has something that you need and refuses to give it to you, and they say, well, you know what, did nobody help me? You know, you know, every man for himself, then you don't have a true friend because a true friend will give you anything you need. A true friend will help you with anything that, you, that you're doing, especially if God is using you in a great way. A friend can humble herself, humble himself, get right in there, and make your ministry or make your assignment happen. I don't care if it's business. I don't care if it's ministry. I don't care if it's your career, professional career. A true friend can humble themselves and help you get to wherever it is that God wants, place that God wants you to go. And a good friend is a friend who's encouraging in spirit. A good friend will not sit back and watch you rejoice and not encourage you or not, or sit back and not want to um, uh, encourage you to go on and do the best that, uh, and be uh, the best that God has that you can be. So let's talk about ways to be a godly friend. You know, since we're talking about you today and myself as well, you know, not so much people who are, uh, we talked a little about people wanting to be our friends, but how can we be a godly friend? And we got a few minutes left. Let's talk about briefly about how we can be God, a godly friend uh, to someone else so that they can experience the best possible thing, uh, relationship with God, when God sends them to us. We already talked about godly friends sharpen each other. We know that. So we've already said that iron sharpens iron. All right, a good, a godly friend. You can be a good friend when you can help somebody through adversity. It's not always about you. It's not always about you getting something from the friendship. It's a mutual exchange, as I said earlier. So sometimes that exchange is that you have to uh, help a person go through some bad situations, some adversities in life. Sometimes you have to be there for that person. Godly friends love each other. You know, uh, the Word of God says in Proverbs seventeen seventeen, uh, a friend loves at all times especially in adversity. And so we have to get to the place, if we're going to be good friends, that when our friends are going through something, whether they're struggling in a particular area of life or maybe they've had a bad life experience, maybe there was death in the family, maybe they lost their jobs, maybe their marriage was dissolved, that it didn't work out, you know, there's a separation, or maybe they're not getting along with some of the family members. Whatever that is that's coming to bombard them and weigh them down, if we're going to be a good friend to that person, we have to know how to go in and help them through that adverse time of life, through that uh, adversity. We have to know how to go in, and that's why iron sharpens iron. It's not just so that you can, um, you know, that's all, I don't just sharpen you in the good time. I sharpen you also when the times are not as good, when you're going through some bad um, uh times in life or if you're dealing with some uncomfortable issues of life, then I know how to sharpen you as well. As a friend, godly friends particip- uh, participate with each other. Um, that means that I'm not your friend and don't want to be bothered with you. That's not a good friend. If I'm going to be a good friend uh, to you, there are going to be times that, um, that we're going to have to have some fellowship together because that's how the friendship is established, through fellowship, communication, getting to know each other. It's the same thing in personal relationships. I cannot have a healthy personal relationship with you, and then I don't want to be bothered with you. I know there are times when we might become disappointed in uh, what we say to each other, how uh, things that we do, if we, you know, uh, you said you were going to do this, you didn't do it, you said you were going to call, it's such as you didn't do it, things didn't happen, and so we sometimes get disappointed. But my disappointment should never turn to a, dis, uh, 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 to a bad taste for you. I should never go from disappointed to can't stand you, disappointed to don't want to be bothered with you. When I get to that place, I'm not good for you. Because you're never, I, 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 even in disappointment, 
I should still have a, a high level of respect for you. I should, I, even as a friend or a personal relationship, I may, dis- may be disappointed in things that you say and do, but I still should have a level of respect that says my respect for you, my love for you, my concern for you outweighs any disappointment that may have occurred. We can get through the disappointment. You, as a, a person who I have um, befriended, will have a hard time getting past me disrespecting you. If I don't have a res- if I don't have respect for you, it's going to be hard for us to maintain a friendship or a relationship because respect is mutual and it is crucial. You know, if I disre- if I can see you uh, with the eyes of God and and like I said, beyond disappointment, uh, I still should have a level of respect. I should still should be able to see you through the eyes of God. When that changes. Then again, the relationship either needs a friendship and the relationship needs to be redefined or that needs to be a transition and there should be nothing. Uh, okay, so good friends rejoice with one another. We talked, I talked about that, uh, that whenever uh, the word of God says when one rejoices, we rejoice. If one is sad, we're all sad. But a good friend rejoices with you. I don't care what. A good friend knows how to be excited about the, the things that are happening in your life that you're excited about. If you're going to be a good friend, you're going to have to uh, uh, learn how to forgive. Good friends, you have to learn how to forgive one another. Forgiveness is crucial because as you're establishing that friendship and you're establishing that relationship, that's the, 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 the establishing that foundation is where you get to know each other. It's where you, you know, you're talking, you're communicating, things are happening, you're going places, you're doing things together. Um, but there are going to be times when the person is going to disappoint you, as I just said, or there are going to be times when they're going to do something that you don't like, or they're going to make a mistake, or they're going to, they're going to do something to hurt your feelings, say something to hurt your feelings, or they're going to do something to hurt your feelings. The challenge is, can you get beyond that and move into a spirit of forgiveness and still continue to build that friendship, continue to build the relationship, um, even if that person disappoints you. See, if you run from every hurt and run from every pain or run from every uh, disagreement in a friendship or a relationship, you'll never have friends and you'll never have healthy relationships. You must make the effort to uh, get past the things that build the foundation. And you can't build the foundation without there being some forgiveness of things that disappoint you or things that hurt you. Because as I'm learning you, as I'm getting to know you, because I, only God knows all of us. So I don't really I don't know you until I learn, until I get to know you, until I learn some things about you. Well, while we're going through that process, I may say or do something that, you, that may be uh, hurtful or disappointing to you. Well, if, I, if I apologize to you and ask you for forgiveness, then you in return have to release that forgiveness and not sit back and hold it and begin to say things like, I knew it. I knew something was going to happen. I knew something was going to come up that was going to cause this friendship to, uh, to, to wreck this friendship. You know, because it's always happened to me. People are never faithful. They're never truthful. My, my friends don't ever have my best interest at heart. Somebody always does something. You have to get to the place where you learn how to re- to receive an apology, and you learn how to forgive once the apology is made. You know, forgiveness demands change, and but but uh, and forgiveness demands uh, a repentant heart. If I say I'm sorry, you need to release me of that. And until you see something different, you have to take me at my word that I'm sorry for what I did or something that I said. That's the only way that you can establish a good and healthy um 
a friendship or a relationship uh, with somebody. So you're going to have to learn to uh, forgive one another, and good friends don't um, harbor anger. And all of that is a part of um, forgiveness is that you don't harbor anger. You know what? We're told to be angry and sin not. Yes, we're going we're gonna to get angry at one another, but I shouldn't have become so angry with you. That is that I internalize that anger, and I say that I'm trying to be your friend, that I'm your friend, but yet I'm still angry with you about something that happened three or four months ago. And so I treat you and I deal with you according to that anger. It is better for me to sit down with you and to discuss it and so that we can move past it and make a commitment to the friendship or to the relationship that says, I'm going to try not to do that again, but if I do, I will apologize to you for it. So it's not harboring it where every time I make a mistake you now have you got now you're keeping tally of how many times I've made you angry or how many times I've done something to you that you didn't like and so we don't harbor anger and good friends uh spark the truth in one another and that was I said that earlier we lo- we, we know how to speak the truth in love but we also know how to get make the atmosphere and the relationship and the friendship comfortable where people want to be truthful with us even if it is painful to hear something or we may not necessarily like it at that time or we may not even agree with truth at that time. But when I have a friendship with you or a relationship with you that's solid, that is built on godly principles, then you can spark truth in me. You can speak the truth in me, and I may have to mull it over for a minute. I may have to ponder it for a second, but I will have to come back and say, you know what, what you said was was uh, correct. You spoke the truth. I have to accept it, and I need to adjust my life to whatever truth that you spoke to me. In. And when I make that adjustment, then that means that I value that friendship. I value it to the place that I know that whenever you come to me to correct me or you come to bring me something that I need to be aware of, then I know that you're coming to me uh, in a spirit of truth, and I don't have to worry about there's some hidden motives about why you're telling me what you're telling me. So true friendship spark truth in each other. I keep you truthful. I keep, I keep you at a place where um, you remember that uh, we are to walk in truth. And so I don't sit back and watch, uh, or, or watch you do something that will cause some type of falsehood to be a part of your identity or your personality. I remind you that you represent God. I remind you that you are to walk in integrity, that you're to be faithful, that you're to be loyal, that you're to be committed to the things of God. You're to be committed to um, the, uh, the assignment that he's given to your life, so you have to practice integrity. So I, I tug on your shirt. Or I pull on you when I see that you're about to make a bad decision where you're going to cut corners here and it's a falsehood that you're about to do just to get by. You know, I do those things to bring truth back to the forefront. And that's what a true friend um, does. And so we're going to open up the phone lines if you would like you uh, to make a comment about friendships or, or even about enemies. If you call area code 646-929-2431, 646-929-2431. If you have a comment that you would like to say live on the air, we'll take your call. If you uh, have a question or a comment about friendships and how to uh, maintain healthy friendships or how to be a good friend. So uh, we'll continue on again. The number is area code 646-929-2431 if you would like to um, make a comment about friendships. 
And so we're going to give you some other pointers here about how to be a good friend and remind you the next show that we do, which is part two, which is tomorrow night at 730, we're going to be talking about friendships that destroy. So we'll talk a little bit more about toxic friendships. But today I want you to take an, uh, an examination of yourself. I want you to examine yourself and say, am I the type of friend that somebody else would want to have as a friend? Am I the type of person that somebody else would want to be in a relationship with? Because, again, it is unfair for somebody to come to, into your life or a relationship thinking that they're coming into a healthy environment, and then they find out that the environment that they're in is a self-defeating environment or a self-sabotaging or destructive environment. When I come into your life, am I coming into an area of peace or am I coming into a war zone? You know, are you peaceful just until you get me in, behind the, the, the camp, the, the, the battleground, and then once I get comfortable in your being friends with you or in a relationship with you, then all then the war breaks out. Now, I'm always fighting with you. I'm always arguing with you. I'm always at battle with you. There's no joy. There's no peace. There's no happiness in the relationship or in the friendship. What type of environment am I coming into when I make a connection with you? Even if it's a business connection or just a, a, a friendship connection, what type of environment am I coming in? Am I coming in a safe zone or am I coming in a zone where you're going to attack and kill? Get what you want and then throw out the remains. You know, so am I coming in a safe environment? So in order to know that or to, to assure someone of that, you must take an examination of yourself and you must say, here is, you know, God, search me. Show me where the weak areas are in my life. Show me where the areas are that, that need to be redefined, the, the areas that need to be sharpened. Show me about the areas that need to be removed completely because they're, they're, they're not godly. Search my heart, God. Create in me a clean spirit and renew a clean heart and a right spirit. Renew a right spirit within me because until you are at that place, you do not qualify to be a friend to someone or to be in a relationship until the majority of your life is a healed life, then you are not ready to connect to someone else other than God. You just Your connection needs to be strictly heavenly. You need to be connected to God only until you get healed, until you are prepared and equipped to be a partaker in another man's life or another sister's life. You should not do anything because any damage damaged area that you bring into that friendship, that you bring into the relationship at some point is going to show up. And then what could have been a good lifelong friendship or relationship turns into a disaster zone. And then even uh, in the body of Christ, we have a tendency to dislike, get to the place where we dislike each other so much that we can't even stand the sight of each other. Or we don't, we walk past, we don't speak with all those little remedial petty things because we had a bad encounter or a bad experience with one another. So we have to get to the place where you know um, who you are. So here's how to be a responsible Christian friend. Some of it is going to be repeated just so that you can get it. Number one, friendships are designed to help through adversity or tribulation. And I told you Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A good friend will not run out on you when you're going through bad times. A good friend will not do it. I don't care what that bad time is. I don't care whether you uh, uh, lost your job. I don't care whether there's a split in a relationship. I don't care if you're a business owner and things are not as lucrative as they once were. It doesn't matter what that adversity is. It could be an illness. It could be a family, a feud going on. It doesn't matter what that adversity is. A good friend will never run out on you through the times of adversity. They're going to be right there. They're going to stand by you. Uh, uh, encourage you, get, uh, 
speak the word of God over your life and propel you to the next level as you go through the adversity. Real friendships are designed to share both grief and joy. That's uh, the similar thing. A a true friend is not going to just be there when you're joyful. They're going to be there even when you're sad. When you have sad moments or uh, disappointing days or um, you're discouraged about something, a true friend, a friend will be right there with you. They will not leave you with grief and only want to be around you when you're joyful. Now, if you're always grieving and if you're always depressed and always sad and, you know, always discouraged, then a true friend is going to point that out to you and tell you that there's something, there's something that you need to do to bring yourself out of that rut. Whether you need to talk to a professional, get with somebody who can uh, walk you through the change, but you should not stay in, in a place of grief or a place of discouragement or sadness. And a true friend will help you come out of that. Real friendships produce spiritual stability and growth. And that's important, and that's why your friendship should be godly friendship. Because I'm going to, if, if I'm a friend to you, I'm going to encourage you to grow. I don't care what area of life it is. If it's business, I'm going to encourage you to do better. Uh, you could be the best person on earth. I'm the best at what you do. I'm, I'm going to encourage you to learn more. Go do something else. Go to a conference. Go to a seminar. Go to a workshop. Step out by faith and do something you've never done before. If it's um, in ministry, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to tell you. Okay, go to the next level in leadership. Read a different kind of book. Go to a different kind of conference. Challenge yourself to grow. I'm going to challenge you to always grow in your life. Is this just spiritual maturity? I'm going to challenge you. Challenge yourself to grow in the area of forgiveness. Learn to forgive without always having to lecture people when they come to apologize. I'm going to encourage you to I'm, I'm, I'm going to encourage your growth in the area of trusting God. Step out by faith and just believe that God is going to make it happen for you. And stop trying to figure things out. So when somebody is really connected to you, then guess what? They're going to they're going to encourage your growth. They're going to encourage your stability. If you're in business and things are not working out for you and you're wishy-washy and one day you go to work, go to your job, your place and one day you don't, but a true friend is going to say, no, this business is going to work for you. You got to do it every day. They're going to ground you in uh, or try to ground you in being uh, stable in everything that you do. A true friend is not going to sit back and watch you one day believe God and then the next day you have doubts about if God exists. A true friend is going to bring you to a place of stability in your spiritual growth. And a true friend will bring you to a place of stability in the friendship and the relationship. If you're in a personal relationship and somebody is strong in stability, they're going to ground you in that or they're going to try to say, listen, you're going to have to trust me. When I tell you that I'm going to do something for you, you have to believe that I'm going to do it. If I say I'm going to call you, I'll call you. And if, if I don't call you, that means something came up. Give me a chance to tell you what it is without you thinking negative about it all the time. A true friendship, a true friend will tell you point blank, you know what? If things are going to work in this friendship, you can't uh, run and hide every time we have a disagreement. You have to get to the place where you're strong enough to talk it out, even if it's painful. So a true friend will bring you to a place of stability in the friendship or the relationship. Then a real friend are God's agents of intercession. A true friend will pray for you, period. They will intercede on your behalf 
all the time. I don't care if it's your business. I don't care if it's uh, just about the friendship in general, your growth, your spiritual growth. They're going to pray for your well-being, that you'll be whole and healthy. If you're going through adversity, they're going to pray you through it. They're going to intercede on your behalf. They will go to the Father on your behalf to make sure that you are covered in prayer. And if you're going to be a good friend, you're going to have to intercede and pray for other people and for your friendships as well, those that are your friends as well. But a good friend will make intercession on your behalf. They will not always tell you, well, you pray and let me know what God says. A true friend will lift up your issue or lift you up in general in prayer, period. A true friend will um, demonstrate unselfishness, and we already talked about that. A true friend is not somebody that's coming just to take from you. A true friend is not going to be selfish and self-serving in the friendship or the relationship. You are not in a good relationship because um, a person buys you a gift and you never buy that person a gift. That's not a good friend. That's not a good relationship. That person could just have money. You know, you're not in a, in a healthy or good friend uh, relationship because you're always receiving, but you never have to give anything. That's not. A, that's not. And the person who's doing that at some point is going to realize they're never getting anything from you. So a good friendship is not one where. Um, you just want to talk about all of your issues that you're going through, but then when your friend wants to talk about his or her issues, oh, you're too busy, let me call you back, i got to finish this, I'm going to get back with you, uh, can I call you uh, tomorrow, or can you say it right quick, because I'm on my way out. That's, <laughs> that's not a true friendship, a true friend. A true friend will make time for you, a true friend will be there for you no matter what you're going through. They are uh, True friends are un selfish and real real friendships last forever if you really have a true friend you i know all of us can say or most of us on here can say there's at least one two or three people that we can actually name in our lives who have been there for years and years and years and they will always be there because a real friend is somebody a real friendship is forever if you ever experience a true godly friendship with somebody, you know even if you haven't talked to them in four or five months, that when you pick the phone up to call, it'll be just like you talked to them yesterday. True friendships are there forever. There are some people that come into our lives for a season, and when that season is up, we make that transition, you know, without transgression. You know, because when a person is there just for a season, you can let them go and still, still acknowledge them, still speak well of them, still be happy that uh, that they are they came through and passed through your life. But there are those people who are in your life, and even if you don't connect with them on a daily basis, they are there forever. That's it. They are, those are true, true friendships. Those are the people that will always be there for you. Um, treat friends delicately. Um, once destroyed, the friendship is, the restoration is difficult. And that's why I said if you're going through something on a, in a, uh, in uh, the area of a fr- with a friend, learn how to work that conflict out. Because if you don't learn how to work that conflict out, if you allow too much time to fester in between there, restoration is difficult. Restoration is easier when you work through the conflict at the time that the conflict occurred or shortly after the conflict occurred. And there are some relationships and some friendships that I told you you're going to have to redefine the friendship. Well, redefinition should come only after you've actually given that person a restoration plan. You know, so if you break my confidence as a friend and I'll, and you want the, the friendship to be maintained or you want the friendship to be restored, then because you broke my confidence, I'm the one that is in the position to do the restoration plan. And so the restoration plan that I give you might say, for the next three months I will not share any personal information with you until I'm comfortable again. 
uh, uh, share that you will not break that confidence. You know, I write the restoration plan out. You, in turn, will read it and say whether or not you can abide by that restoration plan. And if you're somebody who can't um, abide by the restoration plan, then we have to now make a decision that that the friendship needs to be redefined. Because if it's a true friendship, if, if I'm a true friend to you, I will be able to go through that restoration plan. I will be able to do that. I'm, and I'm not talking about a restoration plan that is just way out of the way. I'm talking about a restoration plan that's done decent and in order that says in order for us to maintain what we're trying to build here, here, here is what needs to happen. And then I agree to it. Okay, so there are times when you need to actually devise a restoration plan and ask that person to please adhere to the restoration plan so that we can get back on track. If they refuse to do it, then you have to redefine the relationship. Okay, Um, because restoration is difficult if, if it's broken. If that tie is broken, it's hard because you're always remembering what they did. Okay, rebuke from a friend is an act of love. You know, so if we're going to maintain one way to make sure that we don't have to even get into this restoration plan thing is to be open to rebuke uh, from one another because God chastises those he loves. In other words, he corrects them. He corrects those that he loves. And so if I'm in a friendship with you or a relationship with you and there needs to be some type of correction done because of something you've done, then you need to be open to that correction. And as I said earlier, we are to speak the truth in love that we may grow up in him. So even in my correcting you or having to do some type of rebuke, I should do it in a spirit of love because love never fails. Love, love never fails fails. If I cover you in love when I do the, when I make the correction, when that correction is covered in love, when that rebuke is covered in love, it never fails. It will accomplish exactly what it's supposed to accomplish, and that is to take something that has been that is incorrect and turn it into a correct place, a correct state. And so it never love never fails, and it covers a multitude of sin. And what that means is I don't condone anything, something ungodly that you've done, but love covers a multitude of sin means that I love you enough to do whatever I need to do to anchor you back into right position, not only with God, but anchor you back into position with myself if we're going to be friends or if we're going to be in a relationship. I have enough love to do whatever I need to do to anchor you back into um, position so that we can maintain a friendship and not turn into enemies. Enemies are not people that God wants in your life. He tells us to love our enemies, you know, pray for those that despitefully use you, but he never tells us to befriend them. We are not to befriend enemies, and we're not to become enemies to one another. So watch out for the enemies that, uh, that try to come into your life and cross the boundaries or the hedge of protection around your life. For a quick recap, the people who are not good for you or people who um, have hidden motives or hidden agendas, or uh, as I call them, dream stealers, dream killers. Those people are not good. People that are not good for you are people who are unhealthy emotionally. When they come into your life, they're full of hurt, pain. They're wounded. They refuse to get healed. They refuse to resolve their issues. They bring their issues into the friendship, into the relationship. They want you to deal with it. They want to dump them all on you. They don't want you to say anything about it. Then they, they uh, rationalize it with, I'm not perfect. You can't judge me. And all this kind of all those types of things, well, you are responsible for guarding your own heart. So when people show up that have all of this baggage with them, who don't um, have your best interest at heart, it is your responsibility to guard your heart and keep those people out who are coming in to tear up what God has already built up, to tear it down. Watch out for people who are always um, uh, 
hurling insults at you, people who always have something negative to say about you, about what you're doing, about your life, who got those subtle little sarcastic remarks that they make um, towards you, to you, you know, and at some point if you never say anything, those people get to a place where, guess what, they're just bold and confrontational. They'll say it, they won't even try to make it subtle. They just say it out loud. They don't care how you feel. As a matter of fact, they want it to sting you, and they look you dead in your eyes, and they're trying to, they're watching you to see that if this arrow, this fiery dart that I just sent your way isn't working, because if I can figure, if they can figure out that it's working, they will keep shooting those darts, and that's the whole process of breaking down your spirit, man, and getting you to a place where you're uncomfortable and unhappy with your life. These are the people that you have to watch out for, and by by all means, for sure, don't become one of these people. Whenever you pray for God to send you a friend or to send a relationship into your life, examine yourself first and say, God, make me into the same type of person that I'm praying to you praying to you, praying for you to send in my send to me. If I want a good friend, I need to make sure that I am a good friend. I don't I, I shouldn't the person shouldn't arrive in my life and then now I gotta go through the growth process of becoming a good friend. God should have already I should have allowed God to equip me, change me, create in me with everything that's needed to be a friend to that person. So you want to be the person that you want God to send um into your life. And again remember that God makes those connections that will get his purpose accomplished. He doesn't send people into your life to antagonize you, get you mad, and all this other kind of stuff. I heard a lady say one time that she was the um, sandpaper sent into somebody's life. Well, I don't want God to send sandpaper into my life. I want God to send somebody into my life that can appreciate me and that I can in return appreciate them and do something mutual uh, in return for that person. So that's our show on today. Today's been uh, Friend or Foe, Which Are You? Uh, it's enough for you to meditate on. On tomorrow we'll be talking about uh, friendships that destroy, toxic relationships, how to identify them, and then how to make the transition or actually get away from toxic uh, relationships because toxic relationships are pollute, bring pollution to your spirit. And if you stay in them too long, then you will become polluted. And then, then we have to do another work on you to get you back to a place of cleanliness and holiness where you're representing God to the fullest. So this is Ginger London. Remember tomorrow, 730, we're dealing with um, friendships that destroy, toxic relationships. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, to, to today's show. I look forward to talking with you on tomorrow. And if you know anybody that's in one of these types of relationships, please, by all means, tell them to tune in tomorrow. If they can't tune in through Internet, ask them to call 646-929-2431, and they can hear it um, through their telephone. God bless you. Have a great and wonderful evening. And for all of those that listened in by phone and by Internet, thank you uh, so much. God bless you.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.